the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, on this edition of Lifeline, I want to pause for a brief moment. We are exactly one week away from Thanksgiving, and preparations undoubtedly already underway. Perhaps you're home thinking about the menu, thinking about traveling, thinking about those that will be visiting with you to spend the holidays and taking a moment to not only relish some time together, but enjoy some great food, too. But, you know, for thousands of Bay Area families, this coming Thursday is going to be just another day. It's not really anything particularly special at all, because, you see, they're struggling financially, and many of them, many of them are homeless. Now, growing uh, numbers are actually invisible. These are homeless families who feel shame and some fear about their situation. Meet the Frost family, where the sick sleep at night is inside a Ford Taurus. They ask me every day, Daddy, why do we have to sleep in the car? I try not to cry, put a smile on my face, um, get everybody in a happy mood, and I try my best. It's cold. The Frosts it's- are homeless. Raymond and his wife, Valerie, seven-year-old Reggie, Five-year-old Nailani, three-year-old Rodney, and the baby, Raymond Jr. They've been living out of their car ever since Valerie's mom could no longer afford to house them. She'll love to help us, but she can't take care of herself. Raymond works two jobs, but the Bay Area native can't scrape together enough money to afford rent. And these days, he's not alone. My reason on keep striving, not giving up, is because of my family. There is something to look forward to. There is better. So at least with the Frost family, they remain hopeful, but it's a challenge for so many families. And you think about the average apartment in the San Francisco Bay Area running somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 to maybe as much as $3,500 per month. And when they ask for first month, last month, and a security deposit, the capability of being able to pull together ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 in one chunk, it's just completely beyond the pale. This is one of the reasons why, again, this year, we are standing with the Bay Area Rescue Mission to help bring some hope into the lives of people just like the Frost family. Thanks to a grant challenge, which doubles your giving today, you can join us in adopting families just like these to give them warm shelter, food, and hope. $50, in fact, will adopt two needy families and provide parents and kids a complete traditional Thanksgiving dinner and up to 25 meals per family. A welcome relief during challenging financial times and certainly a welcome opportunity to share a glimmer of hope. 
Go to KFAX.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage and give a gift today, won't you? If we think about needy families at Thanksgiving, think about how your tax-deductible gift, double-matched, will provide so much more than food and shelter. In the end, it really shows Christ's love without limits and introduces hurting individuals and needy families like the Frosts to the hope of the gospel. Give that gift right now online at kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Again, at kfax.com. When you think about the challenges that are being faced by families, this also extends to individuals who perhaps are dealing with mental illness or substance abuse. Give a listen to the story of one challenge that was met by Jose. Before I came to the Bay Res- Rescue Mission, I just got done doing a 13-year, two-month, 17-day sentence in prison, straight. I got caught up in all the gang activities in prison. I did a lot of whole time, but that was like, first time was 18 months in a hole, and then if we're not in the hole, we're locked down in our cells on, on a riot for 13 months at a time. So out of the 13 years that I did, I can actually be honest with you and tell you, I did, I'd say, over eight years of it, where I was either locked down in my cell or I was in the hole. You know I mean, so I had a lot of soul time. You know, I was on walk along. You're in a gang. When you're gang affiliated, they keep you separated, isolated from the main line. So I, I you know, that's why I'm all blasted back. Well, see, I, I read the Bible. Like I said, between me and you, I did a lot of whole time in the whole in prison, and I actually started doing just out of boredom and out of wanting to make it through prison safely, I prayed every night. And when I went to the hole and I started doing Bible studies in prison, right, and I actually got into it and I started getting high school, 98, 100%. I started, so I did it at, at first well, to, to fulfill my, my, my boredom, but then I actually made it reconnected with God. And I believe, I, I should believe, I've been in a lot of melees and, and riots in prison and uh, altercations, fist fights in prison where... I know that it was through God that he made me. And my mother says the same thing. God brought you home to me. You know what I mean? I prayed, I prayed for my mother. Prayed for me. My mother and my sister said, Mom always prays for you. You know what I mean? And, and she did. And, and he answered her prayers. Then he brought me home safely. I got out. I was doing good. I'm a electrician by trade. I went back to work. I was taking care of my mother. And uh, she passed away four years later. And it just rocked me. I uh, fell back into addiction, which I had been clean for four years. Everything that goes along with the lifestyle of addiction was criminal activity, stealing, uh, lying, cheating. I, lo- I ended up inheriting a mobile home through her after she passed away, which was a blessing to for granted. And with the company that I was keeping, I got evicted from the, my addiction. I got evicted from my home. I lost everything I had. The, house, the place was boarded up. I lost all my tools for my trade, my clothing, everything. So I ended up at the Bay Rescue Mission. And since then... Uh, I reconnected with God, who I was very angry with. I, I blamed him, which I knew was not the right thing to do. She was a believer as well, and I know she's in heaven in a better, in a better place. So I could rest easy at that. But it wasn't until I came to the very rescue mission that I, could, I, I made that reconnection with God. I got baptized uh, August 23rd, and now a child of God. I'm doing what he wants me to do. I'm a strong believer. I got my belief back. And uh, the Bayer Mission has helped me retain my, I've renewed my driver's license. I got baptized. And they, I'm in a vocational training program where they taught me a warehouse uh, management. 
I'm certified in already three different uh, stations, food handling, uh, and I already know how to work with forklift. That's my next one, so I'll, I'll ace that one. But they really, they really invest their time. And when I got to the Bay Area Rescue Mission, it was I, I read the Bible front to back a few times, and I retained a lot of it. I know some scriptures, you know. But it wasn't until I reconnected again with the Bay Rescue Mission, they helped me, assist me with a clean mind, off drugs. I've been clean since uh, Thanksgiving, so it's going on over a year. And uh, I had no desire to use again. I actually realized that crystal meth is the devil's potion. It brings out nothing but demons, thievery, lying, cheating. And it's actually robbed me. My sisters were always telling me, say, what are you doing? You make so much money. What do you do with all your money? I was making $2,000 a week. You know, I was making like 45 an hour. I, mean, I had nice cars and furniture and all that, but I didn't have a relationship with God. That was what it was. You get something you can't buy. You can't buy a real relationship with God. And I finally realized that it took me all these years, 40 years since I was 18 and fell off, to realize that you cannot put a price on your salvation. I realized that it's, you know, it's through Jesus Christ who shed his, his blood on the cross for our sins. As long as we forgive, believe with our whole heart, mind, body, and soul that we're forgiven. And we can live a life in prosperity thanks to his grace and mercy. And I was taking it for granted. I, mean, I was more concerned about the earthly the worldly possessions in life. And look at me, I got Corvettes because I had Navigators, Corvettes. I was more materialistic. But I realized now that I've lost everything, because I basically have, I lost all my tools, my buddies stole them from me. And whatever they didn't steal, got boarded up in the house that I was living in. I lost everything. And you know what I realized? A lot of it was a burden to me. I was I was so wrapped up in the, my worldly possessions and concerned about ever, ever losing any of them, I didn't have that relationship and connection with God that I had a void in my heart. And my mother's passing really put a void in my heart. And it wasn't until I came back to the Bay Rescue Mission where I'm actually at peace with it. I love the way the, the Bay Rescue Mission is, is. I love the donors who make the Bay Rescue Mission possible because I'm part of the community giveaway. And every day we feed the homeless people. People every day come to pick up food boxes and load up with groceries and I'm, I get to be a part of that that really fills my void in my heart because I'm, I'm doing it for God I'm giving back to the people I'm helping giving back to the people and it's all made possible through the donations to the, they're the ones that make it all possible so on behalf of the Bay Rescue I'm, I'm forever in their debt and you are certainly one of the people that makes it all possible. Thanks to a grant challenge right now, your gift will be doubled, providing so much more than food and shelter, but showing Christ's love without limits, introducing hurting individuals and needy families to the hope of the gospel. A gift of $100 right now will adopt four needy families, providing each, on average, about 25 meals. When you go online to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Remember, your gift today will feed needy families this Thanksgiving. So let's hear from you right now. Go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. God bless you and thank you so much for sharing and for caring. kfax.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, a special guest joins us on today's program. We are pleased to have with us the founding and senior pastor of God's Church in Christ Jesus, Bishop General Heyman. Bishop Heyman, good to have you with us today. And There's so much to unwrap and talk about in relationship not only to what God is doing in your ministry, but what God has done in your life. 
And I find it interesting to note, maybe some in the audience can relate to this, that you had a calling back in 1978. But not long after that, you went running. And in fact, you ran from God for the better part of 23 or 24 years and finally coming back full circle. But not after having experienced a lot of hard knocks and gone through some very difficult times in life. And we'll have you share that with the audience. But to start with, kind of take us back, if you would, to some of your your background, your education, your upbringing, and eventually that calling and why you ran from God for so long. So let's begin. Tell us a bit about some of your background. Graduated from San Francisco State University after after serving in the army. See, I served in the army. They sent me to Korea. I got out in 73. In 74, I got married. And then uh, by the time I graduated in 77, my, the first thing my wife says, good, you got your degree, but we need a, you need a job. So I say, right. So I tried to find a job as quick as I could. Ended up getting a job at General Motors. And I worked there for about a year, but after that year, I began to get these thoughts and feelings, and I wasn't really going to church at that time. I wasn't really uh, being obedient to the Lord, but I could feel him calling me because when I would open up my Bible, I would open it up, and I could only open it to two books. It was either Jeremiah and then I would turn the pages, and it would go to Ezekiel. And then I'll turn it again, it would go to Jeremiah. And then i turn it again. I couldn't get to the New Testament. I couldn't get anywhere but just those two uh, books of prophecy. So I knew that both of those men were prophets. But beyond that, I didn't know why I was stuck and couldn't turn the Bible any farther than those two. So then I prayed. And I just said a simple prayer. Uh, I just said, Lord, something to this effect. If you're telling me, if you're telling me I'm a prophet, then let a human being tell me. Because these different code messages and flipping scriptures and all that, I wasn't convinced that that was the Lord. It just could have been me. It just could have been by chance. So when I prayed that prayer, uh, I felt like I did my part and I forgot about it. But I would say maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half. Um, I was attending church. I did get a church home and I was attending church and I was in the pulpit because I was a minister. I was appointed a minister by my pastor. And so I was sitting up there and we had this big meeting where other ministers would come. It was like a district meeting, something like that. And then... I was just shaking hands with everybody in the pulpit first, right? And I shook this one person's hand, and when I shook his hand, he wouldn't let me go. And he started shaking. He said, oh, you're a prophet. I can feel it. I didn't ask this man all of that. I'm just trying to shake hands and go to the next one. But I felt like, and when he was doing it, I felt like, the whole world was looking at me. I felt like the spotlights were on me. I really felt embarrassed. I didn't know that the Lord was answering my prayer. I mean, I was completely caught off guard, but the Lord knows how to get his message across. 
And when he did that, I knew that the Lord answered my prayer. So I figured, now what am I going to do to be obedient? So the first thing I thought about, well, I better try to do something to show the Lord that I take him serious. So since I was working at the time, I had enough money to actually to get a little broadcast. So I figured, let me do a little broadcast, say maybe a 15-minute spot or something, maybe once a week. At least that would be something that I could do to let the Lord know that I wanted to be over. Even though I didn't know exactly what I should do, that was the first thought that came in my mind. So what I did was I went down to a station in San Francisco at that time. This was 1978. So I knew that they offered broadcast. So I tried to get something inexpensive. So they offered me a 15-minute spot early in the morning after I got off of work, because I worked at General Motors from uh, 4 p.m. I worked the swing shift from 4 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. So this spot, I think, was on Thursday or a Tuesday around maybe 2.15 in the morning. But that was okay because it took time to drive over from Oakland to San Francisco and get set up. So that lasted for about... Maybe only a couple of months, maybe two to three months. And then I figured, uh, I really don't want to keep doing this. So I stopped doing it. And pretty much what I did, I started running away from the Lord. Even though he told me through the scriptures that that he wanted me to do it, he confirmed it with the person who told me I was. And I did obey him for a few months. But then, you know, time passed. I put it behind me. And then, like you said, started running. Mm. And I ran for 25 years. As you look back over that experience during those years, what was it that you think motivated you to run? The main reason, Craig, that I ran is because I felt like that people, especially in the church, would not accept me. And I didn't feel none of that. I didn't feel like, even though the Lord told me I was and had a person tell me, I just didn't want to accept it. You know, I mean, it's just something that I didn't believe that I was comfortable with. People wouldn't accept me. And I pretty much put peer pressure and how people thought and all that ahead of being obedient to the Lord. That's really what I did. I just wanted to be a regular guy. So some feelings of inadequacy. And it's interesting because it takes me back to the passage where Paul is in dialogue with Timothy. And Timothy, of course, had been a, a student, an understudy of Paul's. He was younger. And Timothy had the fear, in in some respects, I think not too different from your own, that because he was younger, that perhaps he would not be taken seriously, he would not be respected, and therefore he kind of started a backpedal at a point. And, and that's where we see in Scripture where Paul says to Timothy, say not that you're a young man, meaning don't focus on what you think are your inadequacies, Rather, focus on trusting him, because who God calls, he will equip, he will qualify. And I wonder if that stands in the way of a lot of believers that sometimes feel a calling of God on their life. Maybe they're drawn to a certain type of ministry. Maybe it's youth outreach, who knows. 
and they begin to shy away. They feel, Lord, I, I just, I just don't feel like I'm adequate for this. Sometimes maybe it's a fear that they don't know scripture that well. Maybe it's a fear that they don't know how to communicate very effectively. And so as a result, they will have a difficult time in sharing and ministering to others. And I just wonder how often the enemy uses that to distract us and discourage us from doing what it is that God has genuinely called us to do because of a sense of inadequacy. Yes, and I believe that was that was a big part of it. I didn't feel like I was really qualified to do it. At that time, Craig, I was more concerned about how other people mm. would think and how they would perceive me rather than just saying, forget about the world, forget about the people, and focus on being obedient to God. That wasn't in me. It wasn't in me. I was I was more concerned about what how people would accept me. And so I ran and I ran for 25 years. So you 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 ran and you ran hard two and a half <laughs> decades worth. But but over that time and, and of course, you know, in, in that period of time, you raised a family, you continued working, but you also came across some tough times. And I'm wondering what happened during those times and how did God use some of those experiences in almost kind of a stripping away so that your focus, your dependence eventually would become singularly and wholly on God. How did that all come about? And walk us through, if you would, Bishop Heyman, as to how low you ended up going before yeah. you finally realized, you know what? I've had my eyes in the wrong. I've, I've been looking on the, the horizontal plane, and I really should have been looking at the vertical plane toward God the whole time. How'd that happen? Well, basically, very simply, I mean, I... Like I said, being an educated veteran family man, I had a lot of options. I started teaching because that's something that I wanted to do since I was uh, in high school. I remember sitting in high school uh, in my geometry class. Now, I used to be an excellent math person. In fact, my classmates would come to me and say, how do you do this problem? How do you do that? And I would help them. I was, I was, a, I was a math whiz. But when I got to geometry, something is like the, the whole foreign language thing. It looked like it became a foreign language. I could not understand what my geometry teacher was saying. It didn't make no sense. And so I sat there in the class. I couldn't figure it out. It was totally different than algebra. And I was quite frankly lost. So while I'm sitting there in the classroom, I'm daydreaming. I figured it was the teacher because I was good in math. So I promised to myself at 16, I said, I'm going to be not just a teacher. I'm going to be a high school teacher because she doesn't know how to teach. She can't break it down. I know math, but she can't teach. I'm going to be a teacher because I know how I can break it down. So I made up in my mind and heart at 16, I wanted to be a teacher. So after I went in the Army on the GI Bill, I got out, I got my degree in economics, and then I went on and became uh, a substitute high school teacher 
but what I was using was my BA degree in economics and also a lifetime college instructor credential in marketing and distribution. I earned that after working at General Motors, getting two years of experience at uh, the Oakland Parts Distribution Center. So I was able to qualify for that uh, uh, master's equivalent in marketing and distribution by way of a lifetime community college instructor credential. So I used those two documents, my degree and my lifetime college teaching credential to sign up to substitute teach. I first went to Alameda Unified, then I went to Hayward Unified, then I went to Mount Diablo Unified in Concord, then I went to Piedmont Unified, I went to Oakland Unified, San Lorenzo Unified, and finally Fremont Unified. I was working for seven school districts at the same time, but I was able to teach in 20 different high schools in that academic year from 1981 to 1982. And that's what I really wanted to do. I got it out of my system. I felt like I had achieved my goals that I set for myself back in 66 or 67. And as far as I was concerned, being a family man, being a veteran with overseas experience uh, and, and getting it out of my system, got my degree, taught in 20 high schools. I felt like I was on top of the world and I had no ideas about doing anything for the Lord or because I was all wrapped up in achieving my own goals. But this went on and on. Then I ran for mayor of Oakland. I was on the ballot, got nominated twice. I did a lot of other things. But what happened was I became a single father in 92. And I started raising my sons and daughters on my own. And then in 2003, or actually in 2000, I married a woman who I really didn't love, but I married her because I needed a place to stay. I mean, I was that bad off. I needed a place to stay. And I asked her if my son could stay with her. She said, yeah, he can stay, but you can stay also. I knew that was a setup, but I didn't have any options. So I went on and moved in with her, even though I knew I could get myself in some trouble. I ended up marrying her. I didn't love her, but the bottom line was she turned her back on me. She said something. I had to get out of her house, and then I had no place to go. And here I am at the bottom with my son, single father, no place to go. Here it is, 2003, on the street, because I made a bunch of bad choices, and at that point, I felt like I was broken down to the ground, well, what they say, toe up from the flow up. And the only person that I could think of to call was my mother because I needed some place to stay. We were riding around on the BART. We're riding around on buses to stay warm. I had no place to go. And so that's when I started crying out to the Lord. And I promised the Lord. I said, Lord, I know that I made some bad choices. 
but I'm willing to come back to you. I did it my way. My way did not work. The Bible, and that reminds me of a scripture that said, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, <laughs> but the end of that way is death. I didn't know it at the time, but in hindsight, I thought I was on top of the world doing whatever I want, but making the wrong decision, putting my trust in people instead of putting it in the Lord. And I don't have nobody to blame but myself. I take full responsibility for turning my back on the Lord and putting people ahead of the Lord. And I told him, Lord, if you give me another chance, I will obey you. I will put you first. I will trust in you to the best of my ability with all of my heart. I would stay focused on doing your will. I made that commitment, Craig, in January of 2003, and I meant it then, and I mean it now. My guest today is Bishop General Heyman. He is senior pastor at God's Church in Christ Jesus of Fremont. A brief time out back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Bishop General Heyman. He is senior pastor at God's Church in Christ Jesus. They meet in Fremont. And to continue our conversation, Bishop Heyman, let me ask you this. I'm curious, when you reached out to your mother during that period of time when you were at your lowest and homeless and a single father, had your mother been a praying woman? Yes, yes. Yes. I suspected you were going to say that because it just, you know, the thought occurred to me in hearing your story, Bishop Heyman, that so much of this is is mindful of what we'll call the hound dog of heaven, that (laughs) God gets a hold of you. He's not going to let go. Now, you may wander. You may backslide. You may get distracted. You may head off into uh, directions that the Lord has nothing to do with. But the end of the day, when God puts a calling on you. He stays after you. And I think there can be some encouraging words there, too, for other people that are listening today that say, you know, Bishop Heyman, you're describing exactly where my own son is or where my daughter is, that I know when they were younger, God had a call in their life, that they gave their heart to Christ at the altar. And then for a variety of reasons, whatever that may be, life got in the way and suddenly they wandered off. And here is a faithful mother or father who has been going before the gates of heaven in prayer day after day, beseeching God to please bring that prodigal son or daughter back home again. And in some ways, your life, I think, is demonstrative of that, not only in terms of the notion of whom God calls, he qualifies, but also in terms of the notion that once God sets his eyes on you, He's not going to let you go. And you may wander, you may resist, uh, which is just part of our, our sin nature. But at the end of the day, that sense of the, the impact of that fervent prayer of a righteous person, in this case, a righteous mother, uh, availeth much, as Scripture says. And it seems as if God had not only been obedient to his word, but also had been faithful in his response to the heart cry of your mother. Yes, yes, definitely. And it just so happened from that point forward, I knew that, I mean, I I just felt, Craig, I mean, I can't, I can't describe it. It's like this was truly a new beginning. And looking back on it, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, through his spirit, according to the will of God the Father, he broke me down. He broke me down. And he broke me down and I was able to see what I could do on my own, but I also could look up and see that the best is yet to come because he still loved me and he answered my prayer by just giving me an opportunity to day by day trust him. I stayed in the word. I just, you know, and it was, and I'm, and I'm still in the process, Craig. I don't see myself being disconnected with what happened in January 2003. And I refer to it all the time. I tell my wife, 2003 is the big time that, that I'm different. I don't even think about, I try not to even remember things before then. Because to me, it's like, that's in the past. That's before I became reconnected and like revived again and and having this fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God the Father through him. This was the new beginning. And anything before, yeah, I taught. And yeah, I was a teacher. And yeah, I ran for mayor. But I don't really worry about those things don't mean anything the only thing that means something to me is the fact that the lord is my life and my salvation he's my righteousness he's my hope he's everything and when i teach and preach i'm not playing church i'm dead serious because i know where i came from and i don't have to think about where i came i mean it's right there in my face and i always craig Whenever I get before people, when I'm praying for people, when I'm teaching, when I'm preaching, I know that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. But I know he's watching me. He's looking in my heart. He's looking in my mind. He's looking at my motives. And I'm very careful about what I say, what I do, what I think. And I mess up. But when I mess up, I've learned to confess it immediately Make a U-turn and get back up and do it the Lord's way. Because the fear of the Lord is great to me. And I don't take him lightly anymore. And if people don't accept me, I say that's fine. But I'm going to stick with the word. I'm going to be obedient to to the spirit and do it so that the Lord will be pleased. Because my only goal is for the Lord Jesus who took me back for him to say, well done. That's the only thing I focus on. Like, And I can really identify with the Apostle Paul where he says, forgetting the things that are behind. And what I mean by that is everything prior to 2003, it doesn't matter. But I'm pressing forward and trying to be obedient to the Lord. My guest today is Bishop General Heyman. He is senior pastor at God's Church in Christ Jesus of Fremont. A brief time out back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Bishop General Heyman. He is senior pastor at God's Church in Christ Jesus. They meet in Fremont. And as we continue our conversation, Bishop, let's pick up where we left off a moment ago. I get the sense that in your quiet moments, you must at times ponder the weighty significance 
of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and what that means to you personally, that notion that we are all bought with a price. I was bought with a price, and the price was paid by the Son of God who was in the beginning. I know that he was the Word. I know that he was with God. I know that he was God. But the Word was willing to be made flesh so that he could be born of a woman and die on that cross for my sins and be buried. But on the third day, God raised him up. And when he was raised, all of us in Christ who were created in Christ, we were raised with him and we are a part of his body. We were buried with him. We were crucified with him. And we sit in heavenly places with him. And that's why, Craig, my focus is on the body of Christ, because I see myself as a member of his body. And I see you the same way. I see my wife the same way, because by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And the church of Jesus Christ is his body, and we are all members. That's why I appreciate what you are doing as a member in the body of Christ. You are doing the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. We depend on the name of the head to give us the power and the authority, because the member of the body by itself, disconnected from the head, or disconnected from other members of the body is dead. So the fact that we are alive is because we are all connected to each other by the Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head. And that keeps me encouraged. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. But it is important that I take myself serious because I am a member of the body of Christ. It has nothing to do with how good I live or what I do or what I don't do because the work has been finished before I was even born. When he says it's finished, you don't add anything to a finished work. So Jesus Christ is my righteousness. He is my holiness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. He is my life. And when he appears, we, Craig, all of us will appear with him in glory. That's a promise. And I can't wait to see all of my brothers and sisters in Christ in the air with Jesus. And guess what? That's what keeps me going. Amen. You know, that quickening, that realization of what it really means to be joint heirs with the Son and heirs of the Father, adopted and grafted into that tree, and to know that uh, it's not through any effort of our own, as you pointed out a moment ago. It's the sole work that he did on the cross 
on our behalf because God so loves the world. He so much wants to be in relationship with his creation that he was willing to send his son to die on that tree to pay the penalty for you and I that in that spilling of his blood, we might find forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration into the proper relationship that God has wanted to have with us, his creation, all along. And while when you begin to, to capture those concepts and begin to get an inkling, and I know for a lot of people to say, I, this, this is a mind blower. It's more than I can than think and imagine, and absolutely, and, and as well it should be. It's difficult for our finite minds to be able to fathom the infinite love of uh, God, and yet to be able to just savor a little bit as you have suggested, Bishop Heyman, is so exciting. For people that are eavesdropping on our conversation here today and say, you know, I am right now where Bishop Heyman was prior to 2003. I had my own experience in the wilderness. I know that God has had a calling on me, and I have pushed back and resisted, and I've been fearful for a variety of reasons, and I'm just tired of running. And I want to surrender myself back to the Lord. Take a moment, if you would, Bishop Heyman, and just speak to that person that is today where you were during that 24-year period in the wilderness. Well, basically, all I can tell you is this, and this this is one of the reasons why God, through his son, wants me to share this to you. Jesus loves you. God the Father loves you. They have already proved their love for you. So all we have to do, we have a choice. We can either receive or we can reject because it's a gift. No one can make anybody, Craig, me, or anybody else receive a gift. But this gift is eternal life. It's free. It doesn't mean it's cheap, but it's free. This is the most expensive gift that God can offer. The most expensive gift that Christ Jesus can offer. God gave the best that he had, and Christ Jesus, his son, gave all of himself through pain and suffering, including death, painful death. And all he's saying is just, trust me, I've already paid your sin debt. Trust me. He's not asking you to do anything but the same thing I did and just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. I trust you, Jesus. You save Bishop, you can save me because you are no respecter of person. And just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. You love me. You got my attention. I want to be with you. I want to put all of my trust in you right now. Tomorrow is not promised. I don't know if I'll even see tonight, but I know that after death is the judgment. I'm going to see you one way or the other. But if I trust you right now, 
which I want to do. Help me to trust you. Save me so that when you do see me, you will smile at me and say, well done. And from this day forward, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you and to obey your word and do your will. And I thank you for saving me. Amen. Bishop Heyman, for someone eavesdropping on our conversation today, maybe they're new to the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a church home. Tell us a bit about what God is doing at God's church in Christ Jesus. We are a small a local congregation. However, we have a very large internet congregation. So I would encourage you to come out. If you don't have a church home, come out and just pay us a visit. No obligation, but what I would say that it's important for all of us to be connected to a Christ-centered, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Every church is not teaching the Word of God, but we teach the Word of God. We're not, you know, we're not here to entertain, but we will love on you. Because when I think about how the Lord loved me and took me back when I was disobedient, he has put a love for me, for everyone that walked through those doors. You will be loved. You will hear the word of God. We will sing songs of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. And you will be welcome here at God's church in Christ Jesus on Sundays at 11 a.m. And I'll mention for listeners that the church meets at uh, 47003 Mission Falls Court. That's in the city of Fremont. Again, 47003 Mission Falls Court in Fremont, Sundays at 11 a.m. And for more information, you can check them out online. Uh, Look for God's Church in Christ Jesus. That's gcicjesus.org. That's gcicjesus.org. Our thanks to Bishop General Heyman for visiting with us today. Bishop, thanks so much for the time. It's been a delight. And thank you, Craig, for having me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.